Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, I'm Mark Matthews, Head of Research Asia, Julius Baer. Today, I'm joined by David Cole, Julius Baer's Chief Economist. Hello, David. How are you? Hello, Mark. Uh, I'm fine. Thanks. And you? I'm fine, too. Thank you, David. And in the next 15 minutes, David and I are going to talk about inflation. It's already here. The Consumer Price Index, the Benchmark Inflation Index in the United States, was 4.2% higher in April than in April last year. That's well above the average over the last 30 years, 2.3%, and well above the average that the Federal Reserve is comfortable with if it was going to stay at that level for a long time. So the question is, is this just a temporary phenomenon like, say, the bumps in 2008, 2011, or is it going to get sticky and long-lasting like the 1970s, the 1980s? I recall myself a good amount of talk around inflation in 2008 and 2011, Remember, for example, the food inflation that precipitated the so-called Arab Spring. But ultimately, those episodes in inflation were just temporary. It came back down and averaged 1.7% since then. That's the optimistic scenario. The less optimistic scenario is that it does turn into something like the 70s and the 80s. And most of us are too young to remember markets back then, but I can tell you the S&P 500 peaked in 1973. It didn't get back to that level until 1980. Actually, it didn't really definitively break above that level until 1982. And the reason was inflation. I remember visiting my godfather at his office. He was a stockbroker. And the very coarse language he and his colleagues used, which I won't repeat here because we'd never be able to distribute this podcast, but they used it when talking about the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Mr. Paul Volcker, because he raised the Fed funds rate all the way to 20% to kill inflation. And he did, but it caused a recession too. So this is the million-dollar question when it comes to the economy and asset allocation. And David, without delay, I'll pass the microphone to you to talk about inflation. I'll come back to discuss what it means for markets. Indeed, Mark, we cannot deny that inflation is presently here. The bigger question is, will it stay with us? And for that, uh, we find at least three reasons why inflation will be transitory. Well, point number one, uh, when we talk about inflation, that we have enormous base effects uh, when we're looking at inflation in 2021. And the easiest way you can see that when you take together the inflation rates uh, we have seen uh, in last year and in this year, then uh, this enormous growth rates of uh, US inflation of north of 4%, they decline substantially. The average of both years is around 2%. And that's even more true uh, when we look uh, at the Eurozone, there the average is around 1%. So you see that these are very special effects the applying to this year. And when we go forward, we expect that next year, these effects, these special effects will not be repeated in this sense. A second point why we think that inflation is transitory is that inflation is very much a function this year of fiscal stimulus. So look at different regional uh, comparisons here, we have seen enormous fiscal stimulus and very direct fiscal stimulus in the US, less so in the Eurozone, and even less so 
in Switzerland, for example, and this is directly reflected in different inflation rates. We have seen in the US inflation going really north to 4%, this famous 4% we have seen in April. We have seen in the Eurozone where inflation is 1.82% at the same time. And in Switzerland, it's just 0.3%. And given that this is very much a function of the fiscal stimulus, and given that this fiscal stimulus will most likely not be repeated in the next year, as it had been stimulus checks given directly to the consumers in the US, we think that it will be very difficult to achieve the same amount of demand, and this demand has been driven inflation. And so we think that from this regional uh, divergence of inflation we are observing right now, this is a very strong indication that this inflation, this high inflation rates we are observing uh, today will be transitory. And the third point why to look at inflation rather transitory is really the nature of the inflation. And the question, is there a structural backdrop for a self-feeding inflation spiral? And we think it's not in place. How do you judge that? Well, you can look at inflation expectations, what central banks are following, what financial markets are following. But really digging deeper a bit, how inflation expectations are formed, you have to look at the behavior of economic agents. You have to look at behavior of consumers, of uh, companies. And there, for a self-feeding inflation spiral, you would need actually that higher prices causing even more demand are causing less supply. Uh, don't forget, this uh, higher prices which we're seeing right now is a mismatch of, of very high demand and constrained supply. Now, we see in that this higher inflation, this higher prices are causing demand to be cushioned a bit, to be lower a bit. For example, in the US housing market, where uh, high house prices has already let, resulted right now to less demand for buying houses. And at the same time, the higher prices are also triggering an investment boom in parts where we have bottlenecks, where capacities are spare. For example, the semiconductor space, where there had been enormous amounts of investments being announced in Taiwan and South Korea. So we see that higher inflation are actually creating less demand, more supply. And this is then the structural backdrop, which is in place which would avoid a self-feeding inflation spiral. To the contrary, it could even lead to quite high supply in the next nine to 12 months, meeting uh, really less demand and then to, to significantly lower uh, prices going forward. Well, thank you, David. Now let's talk about inflation's impact on markets. And when we look back in history, we can see the assets that are the most positively correlated with inflation. In other words, their prices go up when inflation goes up prices go down when inflation goes down. They are commodities and real estate. And that's logical because housing, transportation, food, those are the three biggest components in the consumer price index. And all of them are based on either commodities or real estate. And I probably don't have to tell you the prices of commodities and real estate have been good over the last year. Commodities are up 50%. Residential real estate in America is up 14%. Most developed economies is also up at least 10%. Now, stocks and bonds aren't included in the consumer price index, but we can look back and see there's a definite relationship over time that each one has had with inflation. The bond market is the larger of the two. It's almost twice as large as the stock market. So I'll start there first. And in general, what we can say is that bonds don't like inflation. And that's because when there's inflation, official rates go up as the central banks step in to try to control it. And there's actually a political reason for this, which is the average person 
The person is just trying to get by. That person gets hurt by inflation. David talked about the housing market, for example, in the United States. I mentioned the Arab Spring in 2011. And if enough poor people really get hurt, they'll take action. So central banks intervene to try to get it under control. And even if the official rates don't go up, well, market rates will usually go up anyway if they smell inflation coming to compensate for its risk. When rates go up, bond prices go down. Thankfully, David says that inflation is temporary. That doesn't mean that rates are going to go down because they've already gone down so much. The 10-year Treasury yield was at an all-time low in August of 0.5%. And when the economy started to get better, uh, it got back to 1% at the beginning of this year. Since then, it's gone up to one6 But if the economy keeps getting better, which is what David thinks it will, why should that stop? And, and that's why we're looking for 2.1% on the 10-year yield this time next year. Well, if it does that, bonds aren't going to like that. You only have to look at what returns have been so far this year to see that's true. The biggest part of the bond market, long-duration treasuries, their prices are down 10% so far this year. Investment-grade bonds down 5%. The best returns for any bond this year has been in high-yield bonds. They're just flat. Now, they're a very small part of the bond market. They're also the riskiest part. All you care about if you own them is getting paid back what you lent because their yields are high. You're paid quite a high compensation, high enough to cover you even if rates go up. As for the stock market, there's an argument that you want to own stocks when there's inflation because the value of money goes down when inflation goes up, so you might as well own a stock. If we look more closely at the sectors in the stock market, the ones that move the closest with inflation are the so-called cyclical sectors. So those are sectors whose businesses rise and fall with the ups and downs of the economy, like banks, industrial products, materials, companies that make uh, vehicles, chemicals, commodities, that kind of thing. And then the stocks that historically don't like inflation are utilities, telecommunications, consumer staples, because they make things people are going to buy in good times or bad. Their growth rates are slow and constant. So that means they have nice, steady cash flows they use to pay dividends. But when there's inflation and rates are rising, then those dividends look less attractive. So their share prices need to go down to make them look more attractive. It's the same thing that happens with bonds. So that's how the stock market it tends to look at inflation. And in the environment that David described, it should be happy. It should be happy with that environment, unless that is the inflation rate does start going up very fast. Because if it does, and it makes rates go up and bond prices go down, there can also be a negative effect on stocks. But the point is that where higher rates start hurting the stock market, at least historically, is hardly at the 1.6% the 10-year Treasury yield is at today. Historically, it hasn't been till you get to around 4 or 5% in the 10-year when stock market returns become negative. And that's because 4 or 5% in a risk-free asset, well, well, that's pretty good. And thankfully, once again, that's not the environment David's looking for. He's looking for an environment where inflation's under control. Central banks wait a long time before they raise rates. So in that kind of environment, what should we do? Well, if we go back to the bond market first, even if inflation doesn't last very long, it's still not a great environment for them. And over the past decade, we've had such very low interest rates, bond yields have gone down so much they just don't have much value. And our investment management team is only looking for about a 1.1% annual average return in government bonds over the next 10 years. For investment-grade bonds, they're looking for 1.5%. But for that smaller, riskier part of the bond market, the high-yield bonds, well, if the economy is getting better, the chance that those companies can pay back their debt is going to go up 
and their credit ratings are going to go up, and that should make them more attractive. And then as for the stock market, well, the cyclical stocks we talked about have performed pretty much in line with the broader market over the past year, and that can continue. But the materials and industrial stocks have done so well, their valuations relative to the broader market are quite a bit above their long-term averages. What we like, therefore, is the banks. The banks are the way to go because they're still very cheap compared to their past valuations. But everything I've talked about is recovery plays, and by definition, a recovery doesn't last forever. There will be a peak. The stock market starts to price in a peak about six months before it happens. So if David thinks that inflation is going to be back at about 2% by the second quarter of next year, then that cyclical trade should start to wane around the third quarter of this year. And so that's why beyond it, let's say we're talking more like a five-year view, not a six-month view. What we'd much rather own are the companies that benefit from the big underlying trends happening in the economy driven mostly by advances in technology. To name a few, there's cybersecurity, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, the incredible advancements being made in life sciences. But all of those are growth sectors, and the companies operating in them aren't cheap. So if inflation does keep going up and interest rates follow it up, then the future earnings of those growth companies will be less valuable and their share prices will go down. And that's why it's so important that David's call in, on inflation being temporary is the right one. And so, David, what I want to ask you is, what should we look out for? What could go wrong with the scenario that we've painted for you to change your mind on inflation and for us to have to revisit our asset allocation? There are at least two things uh, which can go wrong. And one is, of course, a more persistent inflation backdrop. But even more important would be when financial markets take that seriously and uh, interest rates start to rise. This is the more direct impact. So really a fear of more to come, uh, which we don't observe right now. Um, what would change our our mind in in this benign backdrop, which we which we have uh, which we which we now hold? And this is very much a behavioral change of economic agents, of consumers, of uh, of companies. So far, uh, we see in this reaction to higher prices to increase production to reduce demand a bit. Um, you could see also different reactions. So you can see hoarding, you can say you can see a speculative behavior to bet on higher prices. When we would see these changes, which we usually observe only at asset prices, not really at goods and service prices, uh, then this would make us really to change uh, our scenario of this benign inflation outlook, because these uh, are the behavioral circumstances which allow then inflation spirals to kick in. Uh, you can observe that also on the wage inflation uh, context here. Uh, when there is some speculation of even higher wages going forward, that would be factors which would uh, make us change our mind. So far, we don't see that. There's so much really to talk about, but that's all we have time for today. On behalf of Mark and all our colleagues at Julius Baer, thank you for listening and goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. 
The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.